Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> Welcome to the Action Network Podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Gilles Galant and I'm joined by Evan Abrams each and every week. He is our research director here at the Action Network. And we're going to dive into all of the Sunday NFL action for week 11. Brandon Anderson, he's going to join us later in the show. He'll have his hot read. And Patrick Everson from Vegas Insider, he joins us at the end of the show. Give us an update on how sportsbooks fared in Vegas this NFL Sunday. But before we talk about Sunday games, Evan, let's talk about Arguably the game of the year, this Monday Night Football, Eagles and Chiefs. I feel like we've had a few games of the year so far this year, but I feel like this is legitimately the game of the year because this was the Super Bowl uh, matchup just back in February. So Chiefs are two and a half point home favorites with an over under 45 and a half. And that's the part that maybe makes me a little leery here because these two teams, they played each other in February and that total was closer to 50. And we're seeing maybe the primetime under influence even come through on Chiefs Eagles, two of the best teams in the NFL. Uh, anyway, I just found it interesting with two teams that, you know, combined for 73 points. This has a lower total this time around. Yeah, I mean, this is a little bit of redemption for me. Uh, I like the Eagles again. Uh, I had it in the Super Bowl. Didn't work out so well. We're going to go for round two. Uh, listen, the storyline here is also, as you mentioned, unders. Crazy. 11 and 1 on Monday Night Football. Unders on Monday Night Football, 56, 28 and 1 since 2019. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a storyline. It's going to be the game of the year. Uh, I think you're going to talk about it in a second, but Mahomes under three, right? Three yeah. or less, the dog, the situation where, you know, when he's a big favorite, tends not to cover under this number. Gets a little crazy in the percentages for him. So, I mean, I think that's what I'm looking at from Kansas City, Philly. Uh, I think the interesting stat. Uh, and no, listen, going into this game, Philly and Kansas City both hadn't been an underdog all season, and now Philly an underdog in this game is the first time since 1995. Two teams, 
favor in their first nine games now face off against each other. So this is really a battle from a betting standpoint, from a Super Bowl rematch standpoint. It's going to be fun. And I, I think Kansas City a little bit different in this game. I think they're better defensively, not yes. as good offensively. I think they're running – they go with the run a little bit more than they had been in the past, which I think is kind of fascinating to the sense that Philly's pretty good against the run, which – I, I like them better in this game than probably I did in the Super Bowl, which is, you know, I like the three. So we'll see what happens. And it's interesting, too, that it's not three, right? Because now that yeah. home field isn't really playing as much of a part. So now we're seeing two and a halfs. Yep. But I, I will say, Evan, that I think this is the game where we maybe see this top end Eagles team. And we talked about this for weeks now where they kind of play to their competition. Sure. I think they're going to be foaming at the mouth, obviously, <laughs> in a revenge spot. But both teams coming off a bye here. I think the Eagles needed the bye more than the Chiefs did, even though the Chiefs coming off that loss to the Broncos, because it just they needed to get healthier. They always are adding new pieces. Like even safety Kevin Byard, he's been there for like a week and a half. This is going to help him. He's a Pro Bowl safety. He's going to be able to get a little more acclimated in this defense. Mm-hmm. But the part that makes me iffy is going into the bye, why they needed to get that work is because their defense is 22nd in DVOA and last in DVOA to the tight end arguably the worst two things you can be bad at when you're facing Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs, right? Not so great. Not th- great. that's that's the part where it just makes me a little iffy, especially when we know historically Patrick Mahomes with a fave under three or as an underdog typically covers over 70% of the time. So that's kind of why right now I'm going to go against you, Evan. If you take the two and a half, I'm going to take the Chiefs minus two and a half. But this total I still think that this is going to go over. Now, I know obviously we have the 11 and 1 historical trend here, but I just think that uh, these two offenses can really click. And the offensive side of the things, that's where I'm looking at touchdown scorers already. I really like Devontae Smith to get another touchdown okay. uh, this season. He's got four this year. Naturally, a lot of people are going to be gravitating towards A.J. Brown just because of how he's played recently. And also looking at that Super Bowl where he did score a touchdown. But Devontae had seven catches for 100 yards in the Super Bowl, too. Had a couple red zone targets, didn't end up getting uh, scoring because Jalen Hurts ran for three freaking touchdowns, right? So w- once that happens, then nobody else is going to score, right? So, um and I do think the presence of A.J. Brown should actually help Devontae. I, I think they'll probably slot Trent McDuffie and really uh, try to take A.J. out of the game, which should allow Devontae to uh, have a little bit better of a matchup, which is why he was able to score over the last couple of weeks. So Devontae Smith is who I like on the Eagles side. But on the Chiefs side, I think we got to go with a long shot here, Evan. I think we got to look at Noah Gray. Now, everybody's going to be on Travis Kelsey, right? Because – yeah, obviously, you know, Taylor's <laughs> going to be in the house, you know, uh, but only one touchdown this year for Gray. But the Eagles, as I just mentioned, last in DVOA to the tight end. They've allowed five touchdowns to that position. And it's not like Gray is playing spot snaps here, right? He's playing over 52 percent of snaps. He's getting targets. If you want to bet Kelsey around minus 105, minus 110, yeah, he'll likely score. You're just not getting the best value in this spot. I think if you are going to take Travis Kelsey, maybe look at him for first Chiefs touchdown, anywhere between plus 250 to plus 310. But I think Noah Gray, I think we got to take a long shot on the Chiefs here. So did you like any touchdown scores for this game? Yeah, I was going to say, I will say this. Do a little uh, Taylor Swift research because I I think there's a chance she goes, doesn't go. I don't know if that impacts your uh, Travis Kelsey bets. Yeah, it's not like I'm tracking her tour or whatever, but but at the same time, at least I thought the report was that their parents are going to meet. Like, again, it's too TMZ for me. So, um, but but at the same time, it it is going to influence at least the viewership of that game, uh, whether or not she attends. And then the uh, touchdown bet, I think, is fun. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, 
Anytime five, anytime five, six to one. First touchdown is actually thirty-three to one. Getting touches in the red zone, getting touchdowns recently. Uh, you know, there's a chance when you get that tush push, maybe they get a little creative against a good KC defense. I think it's worth a gamble. Well, and one of the things I'll bring up about Gamewell, why I like that pick. So he scored first touchdown against the Cowboys uh, in the last game, and people might not remember in that Super Bowl he. Scored a touchdown, but it was called back. Then Jalen Hurts ran it in on the next play. So I remember because um, my guy, Dr. Nick Giffen, he was on Gainwell, and that obviously didn't come through. So that's how we're taking up for Eagles Chiefs. Now let's start looking at Sunday where favorites go 10-2 and two straight up, but only 5-7 and seven against the spread. There were some pretty big favorites this week. Uh, favorites 43-14 and 14 straight up just since week eight, but 500 against the spread, 26 and 26. So again, not covering the spreads, but definitely winning outright. And even home teams, 10 and two straight up and five and seven against the spread today. Yeah, uh, I think the other storyline, which everyone was waiting for, they're like, okay, recap. They're going to talk about unders. Uh, Eight and four this week, 97, 64 and one, 60.2% entering Sunday night football. A hundred dollar better betting unders this season would be up $2,434. Just doing uh, nothing. Just doing nothing but betting unders. Just sitting there, $100 a game, every single game. Uh, it's been a crazy ride. So most profitable under seasons through 11 weeks since 1990, in order. 2023, 1991, 2022, 2021. Uh, so it has been a wild three years for unders, and it continues. And I know you mentioned this as well, but 25-8 is nighttime unders this season and primetime unders, which would be night games, international games, morning games. Basically, you would call them standalone games. Sure. 30 and 8 to the under. So, woof. Uh, we will see what Sunday night football happens right now. And obviously, uh, Chiefs Eagles, 45 and a half. So, yeah, what, what a time to be a touchdown better, I guess, <laughs> is, uh, is uh, that. Uh, but yeah, four teams on by this week. Uh, teams that we wouldn't really rely on for touchdown scores that much anyway, such as the Falcons, the Colts, the Patriots, and the Saints. Let's talk about the game that I think is the best game, that at least the game that I had the most fun today. Cardinals-Texans. Texans win 21-16. to The total does go under, but the Texans do not cover as five-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, the total was at 48 as well, one of the most bet overs. And also the Cardinals, one of the most bet public teams today. Uh, which is interesting because now with Kyler Murray back, their ATS fortunes just change dramatically because Kyler Murray in his career on the road is now 18-9-2 against the spread. And as an underdog is 22-12-2 against the spread. And I bring that up because Cardinals aren't likely to be favored in any game the rest of the year. And also on the road, three games they'll likely be underdogs and road dogs is against Pittsburgh, Chicago, and the Eagles. Yeah, I don't know if I learned anything new except that more or less reaffirmed some things for myself with this game. So Arizona, I thought they'd be more frisky with Kyler. I thought they'd be better as an underdog. I think they would just be better overall as a team, more explosive. Defensively, we know they haven't been good. And obviously, wasn't going to change bringing Kyler into the equation. So from Arizona's point of view, I, I get it. I understand. They, 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 uh, they lost by five five and a half, six, probably the line earlier in the week, depending. So you could have covered there potentially. They got the Rams on deck and then the Steelers. So I continue to think they're going to be frisky. Those are, those are mm-hmm. two teams who are, uh, you know, kind of roller coaster candidates uh, when you well, face them. So, yeah. Well, I, I'll say it. 
<laughs> CJ Stroud got pretty lucky to win this game. And the Texans got pretty yeah. lucky to win this game because look, 336 passing yards and two touchdowns, him and Tank Dell look like Jerry Rice and Joe Montana right now. <laughs> but when you throw three interceptions in a game, you don't typically win. That's two quarterbacks today, both him yeah. and Jared Goff, three interceptions in a game and uh, still able to come out with the victory. We'll talk about that Lions game a little bit later, but uh they really just crushed the Cardinals on third down. This was an issue even last week on third down. I brought this up where now the Cardinals, they went three for nine passing on third down, three for 10 on third down overall. They were two for 15 on third down last week. That's the issue. And that's why I took Kyler Murray for an interception today uh, because the res- the receiver's skill level is just not there uh, compared to where what he's used to over the previous um, three seasons of success with the Cardinals. Uh, but yeah, we got the full Kyler game today, right? Like we got we got a rushing touchdown, we got an early 45-yard touchdown to Rondale Moore. Again, I said before the game, I said there's a wide range of outcomes of what we could see from Kyler today, and you got the full Kyler experience. Um I will say that Stroud at the half was just dicing up this team though. 259 passing yards and two touchdowns and an interception. But like again, the Texans are probably the funnest team to watch right now, but at the same time this Cardinals team is just so frisky that uh it's really hard to fade them in these spots. Yeah, I would also say overall Houston fun schedule in the middle of three home games. Mm-hmm. Uh they're winning 6 and 4. Uh here's a fun one too. Ready? Next week they can go over their win total, 6 and a half. So they're at 6 and 4 right now. Uh it's, you know, listen, with Stroud on offense, now I understand the three interceptions today, but he had two and 318 attempts prior. So let's yeah. just assume this is just a, a blip on the radar. And then you have D'Amico, who, you know, obviously running the defense. They're going to be dangerous for a, a long time there. Well, what two great additions in an offseason uh, to win six of your first 10 games? Crazy. Yeah. And I mean, I know obviously a lot of it would be attributed to Stroud, but Tank Dell makes his life way easier. (laughs) And, you know, and the fact that D'Amico Ryans has led this team to six and four and is still not the favorite for coach of the year because Dan Campbell is probably going to lock that up within a couple of weeks. Uh, Again, just true testament to to the turnaround uh, with Houston. We'll talk about how the AFC South will shake out when we talk about Jacksonville here in a little bit. But instead, let's move to the NFC North Bears-Lions. Pretty roller coaster of a game here because the Lions win 31 to 26. And the total does go over 47 and a half, but they do not cover as seven and a half point home favorites. And that's something that, Evan, I can't say we're, we don't see very often because that's something that has always been a, like a smash spot. Either the Lions indoors or at home, especially with Jared Goff, a quarterback that's hitting. He's the most profitable quarterback in that stretch with doing that. He's over 70% uh, ATS uh, record. But I think the Lions, the one thing I will say is give them props. They're still 7-3 and three against the spread this year. Still one of the best ATS records in the NFL, despite the loss. Whereas for the Bears, since the start of last year, they are 6-22 and 22 straight up. Oh, my God. If you were holding a Bears ticket in this game. Frustrating. I, I just, but not even that. Like, I, I, I had Bears plus 9. That, that was my major position in this game. I felt good for so long. And then all of a sudden, you reminded yourself that you had money on the Bears. <laughs> and when Fields let that ball loose and got kicked out of the back of the end zone, you just keep saying to yourself, there's an opportunity. I'm sitting next to someone and I'm, I'm saying, hey, pointing towards the Bears game uh, against Can the Lions. Can you turn the volume up on that, please? Yeah, and I was going to be like, because <laughs> like, if you've gambled for long enough, you know that in that position where Chicago absolutely needs to go downfield, something could and will go wrong. Uh, and when it did, it just, uh 
But listen, here's the stat, and I looked it up because when you look at the box score, you say to yourself, Chicago almost didn't cover this game, and obviously they did lose, but teams to lead by 10-plus at any point, so 10 or more at any point, and end the game plus three or better in the turnover margin, were 363-8 and eight straight up in the last decade. The Bears lost that game today. Somehow, some way, allowing two touchdowns to the Lions in the final minutes. It's just unbelievable. And here's another one for you. So when Bears opponents score more than 20 points versus Justin Fields, they're 21-0 and straight up. Okay, All six of Fields' wins have come with opponents scoring 20 points or less. It just somehow, some way, they figure out a way to just blow it. And yeah, I, I think the story of today probably should be Detroit, but I can't help but think about Chicago just looking really, really good against that Detroit team in Detroit for three and a half quarters. I I like the fact that you said, look at the box score and this should have been a Chicago. I literally have this written down of don't let the box score fool you. The Bears blew this game because they were up 11 entering the fourth quarter and they got three picks from Jared Goff, a guy who typically does not throw interceptions at home. They got the DJ Moore touchdown, and then they had two more drives in Lions territory, but they settled for the field goals, and you you just can't do that on the road. And this was just setting up to be a huge disaster of a game for Goff. He had two interceptions in his first seven pass attempts. (laughs) He was also one of the highest on the board uh, this week uh, for an interception prop. He was around plus 145. Russell Russell Wilson is around plus 150. uh, And even David Montgomery, he got the poetic revenge touchdown on his Bears. But yeah, not as much to take away from that other than just the fact that we talk about the Lions and their upcoming schedule and how they only have one game left that is outdoors and it's actually going to be against this Chicago team in week 14. The rest of their games are indoors and that's typically where their offense thrives. So uh, I'm not going to just completely say, all right, well, that was a hiccup. Again, it's a divisional game. You know that teams are going to play each other tough, but going forward, I'm still feeling good about the Lions' chances. Uh, If anything, I was probably more cursing the Bears being like, what are you doing? You're giving up your good draft position. Why are you trying to win this game? Anyway, uh, we'll we'll talk about uh, those uh, that division a little bit more here when we talk about the Packers. But uh, moving over to the other North division, though, where – a lot has happened since we've talked, Evan. Uh, Steelers-Browns in the AFC North. That division is all over the place right now. We're going to break that down in a second. But let's talk about this game of Steelers-Browns that on paper was a snoozer. Watching it felt like a snoozer. But that's what it is when you're watching Browns football and you're watching two arguably backup quarterbacks. Kenny Pickett is not a backup, but he probably should be. And the Browns win 13-10, to 10, the total of 34 and a half does go under and this wasn't even the lowest total of 34 and a half that we have had in the last 10 years that was actually to the Browns game last year in that Arctic Bowl game against the Saints another one that they lost of 32 and a half by the way that game also went under yeah as I say uh close 34 second lowest total uh since 2012 so we expected some low scoring uh I believe the stat was 19 four and one now to the under since 2020 games with a total of 37 or less so when Vegas is telling you that there's a small amount of points in the game there's no points so it just it, it, it's uh going under it's working well but from like an actual game point of view uh I think it's easy to say here the Steelers voodoo is just donezo Thank they you. were 11 and one in one score games in the last 12. I believe it was almost something like 21 and seven uh, in the last 28 one score games. So, you know, most look at most look at it as Tomlin. Some look at it as the defense. 
But either way, the way their offense is played, and I believe it's 45 straight games now without 400 yards under Matt Canada, it's like Twilight Zone every single weekend. It's the same thing every time with this quarterback and that team and watching Najee and all these players, and you're, you're expecting something different. So uh, it's tough because when you watch that game and you say to yourself, third string quarterback, no Nick Chubb. And of course, listen, the Cleveland defense, some of the craziest things yep. we've seen. Uh, literally some of the craziest stuff we've seen week in and week out from that team. But even at 10-10, you kind of didn't feel like Pittsburgh was going to win the game. And it's like no. a reversal of fortune, right? Because through years and years and years, we said to ourselves, Pittsburgh is the team that was going to come away with that game. And Cleveland was a team that was going to blow it. And it felt like the opposite today. Yeah, I was going to say the Browns because one of the trends that I looked up was the the Browns are six and two and one against the spread in their last eight games with a backup quarterback. Now, a big reason for that is their defense. But when I read that trend, I was like, that feels like a Tomlin trend. Uh, like that probably shouldn't equate to the Browns here. But this Browns pass defense when you're when you have an historic pass defense like this that allows like the least amount of passing yards per game in over fifteen years. Yeah, you're going to be in most games and. Uh, Kenny Pickett, again, only 106 passing yards. Over his last four games, he has a total of 412 passing yards for Kenny Pickett. He's completing 57% of his passes. Somehow, with two backups and Lamar Jackson in this division, he is the fourth-best quarterback in the AFC North. Also, Cleveland adding Joe Flacco, so they've got another quarterback in the room. Uh, They go to Denver and then to the Rams, so... A little bit of a difficult situation, but honestly, if they play it correctly, I think we've seen between DTR, PJ Walker, and now having Flacco in the room, just don't mess it up. Do enough to allow your defense to keep you in the game, and everything is going to be fine. And I think Cleveland's going to be dangerous. Before we talk about the AFC North, I just wanted to mention as well, just if you look at the box score, it's hilarious. They went 7 for 31. On third down, there were 17 punts in that game. So, like, it was just a difficult slog to watch. And that's AFC North football in general. And, and of the AFC North right now, the Ravens, they're at eight and three. The Browns right behind them at seven and three. The Steelers are six and four. And the Bengals are five and five. I think the Ravens probably have the easiest path. I mean, obviously, they're the best team. I mean, they lost Mark Andrews in that Thursday game. That's probably not going to be as much of an impact, of, say, a comparison to like Joe Burrow or even Deshaun Watson to a lesser extent. But, you know, they got the Chargers, Rams, Jacksonville. Their toughest game probably of the year is still the Niners that they have to play later this year. But I think the Ravens are still in the driver's seat in this AFC North. I think the Browns are a little interesting. You look at the schedule, like Denver is – I don't want to get too caught up in the Denver hype just because they they beat the Chiefs. Like I, I'm still not in on the Broncos yet. Um, and again, this Rams team, yes, they did beat the Seahawks today, but it, they eked that out. They shouldn't have won that game. And then again, they've got Houston, the Jets, and since like they could easily win 12 games this year. The Browns now is that going to be enough to win the division? I'm not sure at this stage because of the way the Ravens have been playing. But I think the Browns are comfortably going to be in the playoffs. The Steelers, though. They've got since they get to have Cincy twice with Jake Browning. So I think that's probably the biggest edge to them when that's coming around. But they've still got the Patriots. They still got the Colts. Seattle is kind of regressing here. So I don't think the week 18 game with them playing Baltimore is really going to decide the division, but it could like at this stage. So I don't want to rule out the Steelers, but at the same time, this still just feels like the Ravens division to win and the Browns. I think even with this defense is still just not enough uh, to overcome a team like the the Ravens, uh, at least to catch them in the division. 
Now time for the hot read from our own Brandon Anderson. Brandon, what do you have us looking for for early Week 12 lines? Hot rock! Blue 17! Nice right! Ice cream! Jose! Blue the Raiders! 19 sell! 19 double! Louisville Soul Train! All right, Week 12 Thanksgiving hot read. I can almost taste the stuffing and the mashed potatoes and gravy already. We went 2-0 on the hot read this week, our grossest hot read of the season. Tommy DeVito and the Giants came through for our plus 10. They won outright. Brown Steelers, we got six points of CLV on the under. Didn't need it. Under by more than two touchdowns. We are 14-6 and six now on the hot read for the season. 70%. And we're going to start on Thanksgiving. My favorite part about Thanksgiving, after all the turkey, the pumpkin pie, that nap right the tryptophan nap and usually that lines up with what we're seeing on thanksgiving night as these games have come about thanksgiving night unders are 11 and 5 all time and i'm gonna take that thanksgiving night under 49ers seahawks under 44 seattle i've kind of turned on this team they gave away a win today against the rams their offense has really started to trend down in a big way like almost bottom 10 over the last six weeks their offense has really struggled against San Francisco's defense, too. They only scored 14.3 points per game in three games against San Fran last year. And in the regular season, uh, the the two teams, when they played, the, these games maxed at 34 points. So we just didn't get a lot of scoring here. Seattle's O-line still hasn't been great either. And I think that's going to struggle against that 49ers pass rush. Obviously, Chase Young there now on top of everything else. Seattle's got a pretty good pass rush, too, so that might even deflate scoring a little bit. On the other side, why now? Well, obviously, Thanksgiving comes soon, but Seattle got some injuries that have me very concerned for this one. Kenneth Walker, oblique injury. We'll see if he can go. I'm not sure that's a huge deal with Charbonnet there, but the big one is Geno Smith. He missed some time during the game. Looks like a bicep injury. We might get Drew Locke here, and if it does become Drew Locke, I think this total starts to drop in a hurry. So Seattle has been at 44 below. That's this number in six of their last seven. And then a couple of our usual trends on the under. Home underdog unders last two seasons, 62%. And then this is a primetime under. You know about the primetime unders. 62% the last four years. 25 and 8 so far this season, entering Sunday night, 76% to the under. So you want to grab the 44. That is the most common total over the last five years. 44 is their top key number for totals. 43 is probably next. So we'd love to get above 44 with the hook, but I think this one goes down. Give me that Thanksgiving night under, Niners Seahawks under 44. And then we're going to do another very similar one, Chiefs Raiders under 44 and a half. This might surprise you a little bit. I know we normally we see Patrick Mahomes hang big numbers on the Raiders. That's been his trend for his career. But these, I think, are two of the more underrated defenses in the NFL right now. Last six weeks, Chiefs are the number three defense by DVOA. Top three against the pass. They've been top three all season against wide receiver one. Bad news for Devonta Adams. That's the best offense the Raiders have. The Raiders obviously are not scoring a lot of points. They had 13 on Sunday. They have an 18 or lower, all but two of their games. So they're averaging under 17 on the season. Got the rookie Aiden O'Connell. I don't think we're going to see a lot of Raiders points. However, same last six weeks, the Raiders defense has been pretty good. They are up to 13th by DVOA. And we just saw Sunday, they held Miami to 20. They, they hung in there pretty well. So 
been a top 10 pass defense. They've been better at home where they will be here. The one thing that is weak for them still, the run defense. But the Chiefs are the worst run offense in the league the last six weeks, that same span. So I think the matchup sets up well here for the Raiders to kind of keep it close, hang around. Antonio Pierce with the Raiders. Now the Raiders are under in all three of those games. We know the script. It's defense. It's smash mouth. It's run the ball, chew up the clock. That's, of course, what you want to do against the Chiefs anyway. Keep Mahomes on the sideline. Jacobs should get a lot of carries. I think he can get some some yardage against the Chiefs, and that'll just kind of chew up the clock for us. So Raiders on the season, 9-2 and two to the under. Chiefs, 7-2 and two to the under. So that is a 16-4 and four combined, 80% to the under on the season. Raiders games are at 42 or below, 9 straight. We're getting 44 and a half here. I think this number starts to go down. Raiders games on the season averaging about 37 points per game. Chiefs 39. Just seems a little high for me, right? Again, home underdog under here, 62%. And then here's another trend for you. When we have a home underdog of seven or more with a total above 44, we're just barely there right now. Over the last decade, unders are 86, 48, and 2, 64% to the under. So again, 44, 43. These are our key total numbers. We're just above. We get the hook this one. So I want the Raiders Chiefs under 44 and a half. Now a little different here. We're playing before Monday night. Chiefs total this week. You've been watching it. That dropped a field goal this week. So I think that number probably goes down again. And if you think about Chiefs players, if there could be like a big injury or something, that can really only help us based on who Chiefs might lose. So hopefully it doesn't happen. Hopefully we get a good game here. But I'll take the under and I'll grab it now. Raiders, Chiefs under 44 and a half. So week 12, hot reads are Thanksgiving night, Seahawks, Niners under 44, and then Chiefs, Raiders under 44 and a half. The Action Network podcast is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Evan, let's keep looking at the rest of the Sunday slate here. Let's look at Seahawks Rams. Rams win 17 to 16, but do not cover as minus one and a half point favorites. And this this line went all over the place all week. So depending on maybe if you bet it on Monday, you might have covered, but at least the closing line, the Rams did not cover. And the total of 44 and a half does go under, but the Seahawks got into position to win this game. I mean, Jason Myers just kind of threw up on himself. Like he had made 15 straight field goals up to that point. He had two 50 yarders in the game. They had two, and there were two red zone trips by the Rams uh, by the eight minute mark of the fourth quarter. Their offense just looked terrible in this game. So I was just shocked that they were able to eat this out. Uh, and I'll be honest, man, I feel like someone needs to put Matthew Stafford out of his misery. Like every game, he just gets crushed. And looks old. You know what it reminds me of? He looks old, but you know what it reminds me of is like if you're walking along and you saw like an old person just fall on the street or something like that. Like it's just, it, it looks like it, it's just like, ooh, that looked like it hurt. Every time that he gets hit in the, every game that he plays, it looks like he is that old man who falls on the street. Yeah. I mean, he's the elder statesman at this point. Uh, I, I think it's Dak, uh, who's like the uh, longest tenured, but I believe. Stafford's up there and every single week you see and that's why he's missed games that's why he's you know you look at the Big Ben uh injury uh 
chart that you've seen before. It kind of looks like Stafford's too, but I think the story from this game, no question, is kind of the situation with Seattle. Yes. Uh, and the quarterback with Geno and Locke and what we think Seattle could be doing going forward, especially now you're on a short week with San Francisco on Thanksgiving. And who boy, Seattle's schedule coming up is unreal. It is brutal. Un- unreal. So San Francisco on Thanksgiving at Dallas on Thursday night football. Now that is so that is after Thanksgiving they play Dallas on Thursday night football. Then they go to San Francisco and then they play the Eagles. So you get San Francisco right now twice in two and three weeks. And then you get the Eagles mixed in there with the Cowboys. Man, this is this is just not the time to have an injury with Gino now. If you watch the game, I will say this, he did come back. He seemed all right, but Pete Carroll did say post game you know, short week, difficult. So is there a chance we see Locke? Potentially, but just just a worry, worrisome thing either way, especially with a team that just uh, lost that uh, heartbreaker. Well, and the heartbreaker to who they lost to, the Rams are not even close to an NFC contender. And no. that's two losses this year that they have of those four losses that they have because they're six and four this year. So if they don't make the playoffs, you can point right to those two games at this stage. And it is a big drop off from Geno Smith to Drew Locke. So um, well, I was going to ask. I, I just, I, I think. Listen, obviously there is a drop, and and from a accuracy point of view, I think Geno Smith brings experience. Usually, lack of turnovers. Like I said, completion percentage. He brings a sense of normal stability. Um, yes, yeah, stability and calmness. I think to Seattle's offense that makes them dangerous. And I think what Drew Locke brings to their offense is a little bit of Zachy Wilson, like a little bit of, uh, you know, difficulty in some sort of level, like a, you know, erratic behavior. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with the Seahawks here going forward, but if it could be a rough couple of weeks coming up here for yeah. uh, Seattle, especially where they were leading the division entering today because of, uh, the, the way the standings shook out, but now the Niners are back in control. All right, Chargers, Packers, Packers win 23 to 20. The total does go under a 44 and a half, and the Chargers, as two and a half point road favorites, do not cover. They lose outright, and why they were road favorites is still beyond me. <laughs> uh, the Chargers, the Chargers have played 28 games since the start of last year, and 20 of them have now finished with seven points, finished within seven points. It's, it's win or lose, the Chargers are going to charge. Yeah, I have to roll off a spiel here because, you know, losing by three today after losing by three last week, it, it forced me to look it up. So most games decided by one score, eight points uh, since 2019, five years, 52 is the Chargers tied for the most with Minnesota, which is no shock to anybody. So that is eight points or less since 2019, last five years. 52 for the Chargers, now 53 today, and Minnesota 52 right behind them. And then the Chargers, 19th loss by three points or less in the last five years, most in the NFL. So what you see on the screen week to week, it ma- it matches what the stats say, which is it just keeps happening. So when I'll ask you this. When they scored the Chargers with five minutes to go to take the lead, did you think that they would hold that lead? Now, Stop. before you answer – no that's a rhetorical question because you're a sane and logical person and you've seen this movie before you knew what was coming Uh, yeah and this Packers defense pretty good today like overall so a lot of bend don't break 
I was going to say the craziest part about what you just said is I even thought that with uh, Love and the Packers on the other side, right? Like there wasn't even a thought process of who is the other quarterback that's going to be doing this to the Chargers defense. Now also lost Bosa, right? Like that was a pretty sad situation. Mm -hmm. He was really upset coming off the field. It obviously impacts the defense, but yeah. I mean, when the Chargers got the lead, everything seemed good, but everyone knew kind of what was going to happen. And it's sad. Listen, if I would ask a football fan who would watch Justin Herbert play quarterback every single week, what his record is now through 60 starts. Thank you. Please tell me this. 29 and 31, they would just be, they'd be depressed. They'd be shocked because they would also have to hear how he got to 29 and 31. Mm -hmm. Um, You mention it all the time, dude, that Herbert is a 500 quarterback. And the thing is, is that we can get allured with the skill set. And I have wrote this down. Hard to pin this loss on Herbert. No interceptions. They were seven for 14 on third down. They took the lead. You know, he had 244 passing yards. Now, I will say that most of that was done in the first half, but they didn't really let them do that much in the first half, but really let them come alive in the second half. And again, it's just one of those things that this Chargers defense just has a habit of making opposing quarterbacks just look like pro bowlers. Like, you know, just every defense, every quarterback that they face, they just are able to move the ball on this defense. And that's why they rank so low DVOA against a lot of passing metrics. So uh, going forward, I don't know, man, like I'm not going to, I'm not putting the chargers anywhere near the playoffs. Same thing with the Packers. So I think with these two teams, uh, let's see what their fortunes are maybe a couple weeks from now. But right now I, I don't like what we're seeing from those two teams, but Raiders dolphins, Another team where I didn't really like what I saw today just based on the output was the Dolphins, who did end up winning 20-13 to over the Raiders as 14 home point favorites, but obviously not covering, and the total does go under a 44.5. I was really surprised by this because this is usually a smash spot again with Tua where when they're, when they're favorites of over four points, Tua's 10-0 straight up. They were 7-2 against the spread. They're now 7-3 against the spread in this spot. But uh, this game shouldn't have been close. Like the Dolphins are averaging 43.5 points per home game coming into this game. And they had nine possessions. Their first nine possessions, they only had two touchdowns to show for it. No punts. And you want to know why? Because they had turnovers. They had four turnovers in those nine drives, two fumbles, an interception, a failed fourth down conversion. Honestly, the Raiders had... No business hanging around in this game. They were 4-14 on third down. One of the few offensive touchdowns they did get, or the only offensive touchdown, rather, was Devontae Adams. It probably could have been called a push-off. Uh, Aiden O'Connell, two interceptions. Josh Jacobs, only 39 rushing yards. This Raiders, like, look at the off. Look who that Raiders have to play coming up here. They've got the Chiefs twice, the Vikings, Chargers, and the Colts to end the year. I, I don't see how they can get to a playoff spot uh, in that. And then the Dolphins. Their schedule's starting to get a little bit lighter. They get the Jets. Maybe you're going to see Boyle instead of Zach Wilson. Uh, you know, the Commanders, Titans, Cowboys, Ravens. Like, again, there's there's some teams here where the Dolphins are really in the driver's seat now to maybe really just lock up the AFC East. Yeah, I mean, listen, looking at this game today, I was surprised, and I think everyone else watching it was, that Miami didn't cover. They had a million chances million. to get over that number. Uh, and they didn't get there. I think it's convenient for anyone who took the Raiders to look at some stats, which I had, you know, in my article of you know Pacific Standard teams going east. All this stuff, the Raiders shouldn't have covered. Like the number got there, it did work out. But 
with the fact that they did cover Antonio Pierce, 3-0 and against the spread as the Raiders coach. There's got to be, in my opinion, some regression there, some sort of move back. I, I, I think on some level, based on the matchup, there's probably a Raiders fade coming up. Now, they play Kansas City next week at home before a bye week. So I think depending on what the Chiefs do on Monday Night Football will depend a little bit on how you feel there. Um, now, looking from a wider scope a little bit, double-digit favorites, 14-1 and one straight up this season. Uh, and now uh, with the Bucks cover, because I know that was a late game, it was 10-5, and five, I believe, against the spread for those 14 teams. Um, I mean, going forward, Miami, I believe, minus 7.5 on Black Friday in the Jets. Um, I mean, I Zach think... Zach Wilson. Yeah. Zach Wilson will may not be playing in that game, by the way, which may yeah. drop the spread. <laughs> yeah, and to be honest with you, I think Miami, it's a good spot. Uh, I think it's a roll spot. I, I think it's a good one. Uh, I would probably like the Dolphins in that, um, but we'll see. Not, yeah. Not, not too much else, yeah, not too much else to do there. No. All right. Buccaneers 49ers. Niners win 27-14. to 14. And that's important because 13, the winning margin here, the 49ers were 13.5-point favorites. And the total of 42.5 uh, does go under, but honestly, the Bucks tried. Uh, just the Niners' defense was just too good. I want to break down how the, the end of this game went because Niners had a 13-point lead for most of the second half. So if you were a Niners better, you probably felt this isn't probably going to come through. You know, they ended up turning the ball over on fourth and one in the Bucks territory where they might've been able to get a field goal, but it wasn't as close as the way I'm describing it. But the Bucks, they had four drives into Niners territory to end the game and did not score a touchdown or get any points from it. They had a turnover at the goal line. They had an interception in the end zone, turnover on downs, Turnover on down. So very impressive by the Niners defense, but man, was it super frustrating if you were an overbetter or if you were even just a, a Bucks better, maybe you relate to the game and got, uh, you know, a 12 and a half. Yeah, I had a bunch of Bucks numbers. Uh, so I, it was frustrating at the end there. Uh, and Tampa probably should have covered, but San Francisco did what they did. And if you bet Tampa, your fear the entire time was that Baker couldn't get it done in the spot. And, you know, you assumed with the wide receivers and the weapons, he'd be able to get downfield and kind of backdoor. Like the spot was there if you bet the 11, the 12, the 13, thinking that they'd be down by this number <laughs> and that you would have three, four, whatever chances in the second half. And it just didn't work out. Like that, that was the handicap. Um, the stat. Baker being four and ten against the spread over in the last three seasons off a straight up win is just something you should understand. He's a roller coaster. Like the streak is just not something he does. So uh he is now 35, 45, and one against the spread. He's one of the worst quarterbacks week to week in terms of covering in the last two decades. Um just what he does. Uh and the thing that was most difficult, especially when you bet that number, is the Bucks had actually been good on the road this year. They've been covering uh mm -hmm. They were one of the two undefeated ATS teams with the Jaguars on the road. Um, so difficult, just a difficult spot. Now, if you flip it, that throw that Purdy made to Ayuk, ooh, that was beautiful. Like, he made some really good throws in that game. Yeah. I just, he, he looked really, really good. And now, uh, you know, really good. He was 8-1 and one against the spread at home entering this one uh, and obviously didn't get the cover on the close, but damn, looks good. Yeah. 
All right, let's wrap up the rest of these Sunday games. We've got four games left. Most of them are blowouts. Uh, Cowboys-Panthers, Cowboys win 33-10. to 10. The total of 43.5 does go under, though. Uh, no thanks to the uh, Panthers, who are only able to put up 10 points, while the Cowboys do cover as 10.5-point favorites. And we talk about this every week, Evan. Uh, Cow- Cowboys with Dak, they do well versus bad teams. They're 34-10 and 10 straight up. 30 and 13 and two against the spread against teams that are under 500 uh, when Dak is the quarterback and dating back to last year, Frank Reich two and 10 and one against the spread. <laughs> it just in the last 13 games, just set up to fail halftime. I mean, Bryce Young was five for 10 throwing the ball. He was sacked three times. One interesting stat uh, before we move on to the next game though, Deron Bland, the rookie uh, safety for the Cowboys, Fourth pick six of the year. That's the fourth time ever that's ever been done in the NFL in a season. It hasn't been done since the mid-90s, and we still have uh, quite a few games left of the season to maybe even break that record for Deron Bland, which is just interesting with the way that this Cowboys defense is how they just pour it on. But Bland has just been one of the lucky recipients where he just happens to be in the right spot in the right time. Not in the right spot in the right time, though, is Zach Wilson. With the New York Jets, uh, one of the worst showings by a quarterback I think we've seen this season. And that's saying something with uh, Tommy DeVito as a quarterback in the NFL. But the Bills win 32-6. to six. The Bills do cover as eight-point home favorites. And the under of 39.5 does come through <laughs> because there were at a point there, we hit the 40 straight possession mark without an offensive touchdown for the Jets. And it's sad to say, I probably watched 30 of them at least, you know, so what does that say about me and what I'm doing with my time? But Brees Hall finally put put us out of our misery so we don't have to hear about that stat anymore. But the big thing, especially coming up for Friday for this Black Friday game against the Dolphins is that Robert Sala, they benched Zach Wilson in this game and did not commit to him as a starter for the Friday game. Yeah, I mean, the Jets have three straight home games coming up, Miami, Atlanta, Houston. I think the who else are you going to are you going to play Tim Boyle in that spot? Are you trying to learn something about Tim Boyle? Like the change should have happened so long ago, a long time ago. That I don't really understand what the change does now, right? Like what what is the point at this moment to make the change? I mean, we've we've heard the Aaron news. We've heard December Aaron, you're still 3 4 Five He's not coming away. back. But let's just let's let's just say that we'll play. We'll play the above, game. Yeah, from up above, that's their strategy, right? You have three home games right now. You've got to go two and one at minimum. A three and zero oh would would put you right back, right where you need to be. Now you're going to be underdog in two of them, definitely. Uh, Atlanta, you know who knows uh, with that one, but I don't know. I think they should have brought someone in so long ago, and especially kind of kind of funny seeing Flacco sign with the Browns on this exact day that Zach gets benched. But they need to find especially someone. because Flacco was there a couple years ago, or yeah. two years ago now, or maybe it was last season rather. Uh, and not yeah. only that, then you have Josh Dobbs, who was readily available to <laughs> all thirty-one teams, and here he is uh, having a good time uh, playing uh, for Minnesota at two and zero already uh, in that spot. So, uh, yeah, just. It had to happen. It's just sad that it happened now because it doesn't really move the needle at all, probably for the Jets. All right, another blowout, though. Titans-Jaguars. Usually the Titans and Derrick Henry have owned this matchup, but not today because the Jaguars kicked the crap out of them 34-14. to This game wasn't even close. Jaguars cover six-and-a-half-point favorites. 
and the total goes over. Will Levis just looked lost. I mean, they got into Titans territory a couple times, and he looked like a guy who dips mayo into his coffee. Like, it just was not a good outcome for a quarterback of, of why he kind of fell to the second round. I mean, they were down 27 to nothing before you even kind of knew it, and it was garbage time touchdowns late, so it's not like those Titans touchdowns were competitive. But I think we got to pour one out now for Derrick Henry. And really the Titans, I think they really made a mistake here because they could have traded him. And there were reports out there that they could have had second round picks either from the Eagles or other teams. But he looked like he was running with cement in his shoes. So uh, it looks like it's going to be an end of an era. I mean, they didn't really do him a lot of favors on the offensive line. But at the same time now, Jaguars at 7-3. and three, They got a date with the Texans at 6-4 and four on deck. That win is, I mean, the Texans already, they got a win in hand. So I don't want to call it a must win for the Jags at this stage, but if you want to win the division, that feels like a must win game. I mean, listen, if I would have told you through 10 games, three teams in the AFC South would be 500 or better. I'm not sure I would have believed you. So that is a, uh, I, I saw that earlier and I said, did not have that like, one. Did not I, have that. If you can't see me, I'm shaking my head right now. Just so <laughs> you know, I like cannot believe that. All right. Let's end this off now. Giants commanders. Giants win 31 to 19, probably the biggest ups. It's the biggest upset of the day and the game that I easily would have been wrong a hundred times out of a hundred. If I tried to pick the side, uh, the total does go over of 39 and a half and the commanders, the seven and a half point home favorites do not cover because Sam Howe and the commanders are now one, four and one against the spread in six home games. But Evan, I have to ask you a question because I've, I've trashed Tommy DeVito. I mean, I have a little bit of fun with it. You know, Danny DeVito, all that stuff. But do I have to apologize to him now? Because I don't want to say he was good, but I mean, he took nine sacks today. Five sacks just in the first oh. quarter. Even Sam Howe was like, that's a lot of sacks. <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> um, you know, 246 passing yards, three touchdowns, and the Giants punted seven times. And and the fact that they were still able to win this game, I just couldn't believe it that the fact that the commanders weren't able to muster up anything. Uh, and I will say, if you were uh, an underbetter, uh, my condolences because there were 14 points from these two woeful offenses oh. in the final two minutes of the game. Gross. Uh, next week, the Giants play the Patriots. So, well, maybe DeVito plays Mac and we can have a uh, we could figure out which ones uh, it hits the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, that one I think is already going to be. The last game of the week. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to be like, is Tommy DeVito starting or is Mac Jones going to start next week? But yeah, maybe we might end up seeing uh, a DeVito zappy matchup for the ages. Uh, so that was, should be interesting for week 12. All right. That's all the games. Now let's check in with Patrick Everson with Vegas insider to see how sportsbooks fared in Las Vegas for week 11. Hey, Jill. Thanks for having me back on the action network podcast. Obviously we've still got a huge game coming up to finish week 11, the Monday night game, Super Bowl rematch. And we'll touch on that in just a few minutes, too. But talking about how the day unfolded on Sunday, I spoke with a a couple of different odds makers across Las Vegas, and they all said it was kind of a mixed bag throughout the day. If Chicago had held on to win that game against Detroit, that would have probably changed the landscape considerably because Detroit was surely in everybody's money line parlays and the public loves the money line parlays, and they certainly teased Detroit quite a bit. Six-point teasers. Detroit was probably in a ton of those as well. So Detroit gets there on the teasers, gets there on the money line parlays by scoring all those points in just the last few minutes of the game. I think that would have dynamically changed the landscape. As it turned out, it was probably a little bit of give and take for the books and for the public. Scott Shelton behind the counter at BetMGM said going into the Sunday night game, BetMGM Nevada. So he's just talking about the view from Vegas, not necessarily BetMGM nationwide. 
But what he said is if the Vikes win, we have a decent winner for the day. If Denver wins and covers, we will lose for the day. So I'm going to take that to mean a Vikings cover was kind of what they needed. They probably would have preferred Vikings outright, but it sounds like at least Ben Jim in Vegas getting a Vikings cover was good. But I did talk to a couple of other odds makers that said, look, it was just kind of give and take and a real grind all day. One told me that the, the Broncos game tonight was definitely significant. He said Broncos win Minnesota cover and under another prime time under folks. Just man, you can practically set your clock by it these days. But he said that was definitely a good result for us. Helped us out as far as the overall day. But he said the late window of games, the 405 and 425 Eastern Time games, did not go well. And another odds maker told me the exact same thing. Those late games did not go well at all. He said uh, all three late games were losers for us. And in particular, he noted that Bills Jets. He's like, Bills by a million, that wasn't good. Uh, the 49ers by 13, exactly not good. Uh, probably landed on a number that that odds maker had it at for a while. So uh, not necessarily a bad day for bookmakers, but certainly not a good day. Some give and take, and it sounds like the sports betters may have gotten uh, a little bit back as well. But uh, but nobody really made a banner day of it on either side of the counter. Taking a look at the Monday night game, look, as I alluded to before, it's a Super Bowl rematch. It's a massive game. This thing is going to get the living daylights bet out of it. And they're probably will be some parlay, money line parlay, liability uh, running to it. And I would guess that that parlay liability will, money line parlay ability especially, will probably run to the Chiefs. But uh, but certainly people are going to put some money on the Eagles. That's a very good football team, as we know. But heading into Sunday at BetMGM on the spread, 60% of tickets, 77% of money on the Chiefs. Exact opposite on the... Money line. They're playing the taking the plus money with the Eagles on the money line. Seventy two percent of tickets, seventy nine percent of money. So it'll be interesting to see how that evolves over the course of the day. Although I don't, I I would bet it doesn't change a whole lot. I would think the Chiefs are going to be the, the the pick on the spread, and the and, and the betters are going to like that plus money on the on the money line with the Eagles. Looking ahead to Week Twelve, obviously the numbers have all been up. Some of these are already getting bet into and moving. Really interesting slate. We got all 32 teams in action, 16 games, three on Thanksgiving, and one on Friday, the Dolphins against the Jets. It's not exactly the most breathtaking game, but we're getting some Friday football. So we're getting football on Thursday, Friday, Sunday, and Monday of this coming week. And and one odds maker I spoke with on this Sunday night, Jill, said that the Niners-Seahawks game, which I think is the most compelling of these Thanksgiving games, it's the nightcap on Thanksgiving, it opened seven and a half, but Seahawks QB Geno Smith, he dinged up his elbow today. He was able to come back and play for the Seahawks in that loss to the Rams, but the line was really volatile on Sunday night. It got as high as minus nine, got as low as minus six on the Niners, settled in at minus seven, and the oddsmaker said San Fran will be in every parlay and money line parlay, and the three-legged turkey, the three-leg money line parlay, Lions, Cowboys, 49ers. He said he expects that to be hugely popular on Thanksgiving Day. So the book could very well need Seahawks outright for a big decision. If the Lions and the Cowboys get there outright on the money line and they're expected to as favorites on Thanksgiving Day, then that uh, Seahawks 49ers game could be a huge decision for the books come Thursday night while we're all trying to settle off our, uh, you know, on, on, on all the food we've pounded and beverages we've pounded and one more game, and it could be a very big one for the books. Obviously, that means it could be a very big one for the betters who do go after that three-leg money line parlay of Lions, Cowboys, Niners. 
Jaguars-Texans, another interesting game, and it hasn't moved at all tonight. But what's interesting about it is that an open pick and you've got C.J. Stroud and Houston looking to tie Jacksonville for first in the AFC South. And again, open pick and the odds maker said for some context on Houston's progress this season, in the preseason, this game had a spread of Jacksonville, minus four and a half. Then you've also got Bills and Eagles, another pretty compelling game in NFL Week 12. Philly, again, we noted at the top, they still have to play the Week 11 Monday nighter against the Chiefs, a Super Bowl rematch against the Chiefs. But the odds maker opened Eagles at minus three, minus 120. And what he said was opening any higher than three is really asking for wise guy action on Buffalo, especially since Philadelphia will be coming off an emotional game no matter the outcome in Kansas City. Whether Philly wins or loses, it's going to be an emotional game that they're coming off of, an emotional high or an emotional low. So they don't want to get too tricky with that with that spread on Bills and Eagles just yet. Thank you, Patrick. And thank you again for listening to the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM. Enjoy Monday Night Football and keep an eye out for all of our NFL Week 12 podcasts right here on the Action Network. Happy Thanksgiving, gamblers. We're thankful for you. Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.